There's another product that I love um, that are these exfoliating sheets that I also carry at my office. They're, they're exfoliating wipes and I think they're sold at the same types of places, but I love them. So if, if, a, if a person that you're going to has those products there, they're probably really, they're, you know, a passion th thing for them. But I don't think there's a black and white answer. Um, I think guidance is the most important thing. And what your friend is doing is not always what you should be doing. Welcome back to A Sharper Life, the podcast that will ignite your passion for personal growth and empower you to live a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Nikki Sharp, a two-time best-selling author, transformation coach, and wellness expert. And I am here each week to guide you on a transformative journey that will help you unlock your full potential. So each week on A Sharper Life, I bring you captivating interviews with renowned experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals who have achieved extraordinary success in all areas of life. So from health and wellness to improving your career, relationships, and mindset, we explore the strategies, insight, and stories that will propel you to unlocking your greatest potential. And by subscribing to A Sharper Life podcast, you will gain access to wisdom that can truly transform your life. But here's the important part. I need your support to continue bringing this valuable content to you. How do you do this? You hit that subscribe button and ensure that you never miss an episode. And truly, if you find value in A Sharper Life and you want to help others discover it too, I kindly ask you to leave a podcast review, whether it's just five stars or sharing what you enjoyed about each episode. Your reviews not only provide me with valuable feedback, but they help boost the visibility of the podcast allowing more and more people to benefit from these life-changing conversations. So with that today, I have a dear friend, Amy Peterson, and she is a medical esthetician and founder of the Miami-based med spa, Skincare by Amy Peterson. So Amy has been working in the beauty industry for over 20 years and has gained a, an incredible reputation for her expertise in treating a variety of skin concerns, including her holistic approach to skincare, which really focuses on addressing the root cause of skin issues rather than just treating the symptoms. And in today's interview, we go deep in all different areas. So whether you deal with acne, you're going to learn some really incredible tips on how to manage it from preventative to maintenance with your skincare the information about different treatments, lasers, because I know there's a lot on the market and I know skincare can get confusing. There are TikTok trends, which we talk about. So this information is packed full of knowledge. If you want to improve your skin, if you have acne, if you have pigmentation or melasma, you're going to get information that will literally transform your skin. So without further ado, here is Amy Peterson on A Sharper Life. Amy, I am so, so thrilled to have you here. You have literally transformed my skin and I can't wait to get into all of that. But I'd love to start off with how did you become an esthetician, open your own med spa? Like what was the passion behind doing such a unique concept? So I, um, my whole life, I loved skin um, and um, and loved doing skin, loved transforming skin. Um, I at a young age, I loved products and different things like that. But when I was about 20 years old, I was in a bad car accident. 
I ended up having like 37 inches of scars all over my body. And I um, wanted to know how to fix them. It was probably the early stages of medical aesthetics. Um, Botox was just becoming like a thing that people knew about, but they weren't saying I got Botox done. It was kind of still hush hush. I think we had some of the early lasers, the first early lasers um, on the market, maybe IPL and laser hair removal. And I knew it was a field that was going to explode. And I knew that um, eventually it would be transformative. At least I thought it was would be for the skin. So I decided to switch my um, major and I um, went to aesthetic school. And from there, I, um, you know, I worked for a plastic surgeon um, for nine years. I would argue one of the best in the country. He ran like an amazing practice. Um, I built his non-invasive division. And during that time, um, I became a clinical educator for a lot of different device companies. So I was the person, if you were to buy a device, I would go in and then train your office on how to use it. And it really, um, it really launched my career um, as far as being the expert um, in each of these devices. And, you know, one thing I always say um, that's really important, and I even teach my girls who come work here, is knowing your why behind what you're doing. You know, anyone can do these things, but why are you doing it? And even with you, like I loved working on your skin, and but you have a tricky condition. Melasma is really tricky, and there's a lot of th different things. So um, that kind of launched my career. And while I was training, I would go to all these different offices, and I would, um, I had the pleasure of being in a lot of offices where I saw things that were great, that were working really well, but I also saw things that weren't working so well. And so I took these little pearls over, you know, a decade or so of treat, uh, training. And I basically said, I think that I can do this. And I think I can do it in this unique, different way. Um, maybe Miami might be saturated, but I can stand out like a unicorn. And, and I built this practice based on four pillars, which is um, luxury meets warmth meets education meets innovation. And, and from there, I just set on a goal to, you know, treat every client with 120%, which is, can be exhausting, but it's really what the right thing to do is. And kind of taking them, instead of them having an appointment and kind of an assembly line, really taking them on a skin journey, because at all these different points um, throughout your life, as you know, like there's different things going on with your skin. So um, I wanted to kind of be a part of that journey, um, be on their team for that. And so um, three years ago, I opened up um, this location that I have now. And then more recently, we opened up the body studio. But yeah, it's been a culmination of about 20 years of experience. It's incredible. And I, I personally have been on the receiving end of your passion and you've been labeled the skin savant. And I can really say from experience, that's because you can look at literally anyone's skin and know exactly what to do. Can you share how you do that when someone comes in and you look at their skin, because there's so many different options, lasers, treatments, and it can be completely overwhelming on where to start. So how do you look at someone and know what to do? And then based on their conditions, what types of treatments do you recommend? I think that that's, it's a multifaceted question. So I think with experience, it's very, it becomes a lot easier to look at someone and like, you know, in your, you know, in your little black book, you've seen that skin before you kind of see how it reacts. And that's just, that's experience. But I think ultimately having them come in for a comprehensive consultation where you ask them, what have they been using? What have they done? What is their lifestyle like? Like that's huge. I, people don't ask that. And I, and I think it's crazy because 
so many of um, the so many of skin issues are associated with inflammation of the skin. So if they're doing these inflammatory things, saunas, um, you know, even diet, all of these things are so important. Um, so asking all these questions, kind of getting that picture of what their life is like, what are they doing, what has worked and what has not worked. And then looking at their skin, taking in their age, taking in um, where they're like, where do they live, for instance, like it's, I'm going to do something probably very different for someone who lives in Seattle versus someone who's more exposed in Miami. And then coming up with a plan of like, how are we going to achieve this? I usually put people in two different categories. They're either in corrective or maintenance. So corrective means we have something, we want to work on it, and we're going to be in this process, right? And it's not going to be this crazy race. Like that's the worst when you're like, I only have one month to transform my skin. And it's like, it's not really possible. You know, it's slow and steady wins the race sometimes um, when it comes to these things. So having that corrective journey and then they almost graduate from that, which is super exciting because we get them, you know, from A to B, this amazing before and after. And then it's like, let's do all the fun maintenance treatments. Let's do the hydration treatments. Let's do the mesojets. Let's do stuff that, you know, is going to amplify the skin, but not necessarily going to correct the problem that you came in with. So I think it's twofold. I think it's getting a correct picture of the client um, and, and their lifestyle. And then it's also like seeing, um, you know, what treatments fit in best and, and then sometimes pivoting. I mean, that's a big thing. Sometimes people give you, can I have the plan for the year? And I'm like, I can't give you a plan for a year. And I would be lying if I had a plan for the year, because as we do things, your skin's going to change. And that's my job to pivot and to, you know, introduce new things or take away or, you know, come to that equilibrium. I love it. And I, I mean, again, like I, we've pivoted with my skin and I've tried all sorts of different things and things we thought were going to work, didn't work as well as others. So I'd love to actually go over a few of the different ones that are available. And, you know, there's everything from like Fraxel to lasers to Tixel. And, and a lot of these names, I realize people might not know. There's, as you said, like the Mesojet, there's um, the Hydrofacial. What skin condition or let's say correction would you use for one thing like a laser? Like I know for myself, you actually told me doing lasers are not good because I already have pigmentation. So can you run us through, if you have a certain skin condition, what sort of treatments should you avoid and which ones should you go for? Yeah. So basically what happens is there, there still is to this day, um, about 10 base technologies. And that's what people don't understand because there's all these names popping up like Morpheus, Genius, you know, you just pick a name and that's it. I always say like, think about cars. There's like an SUV, then there's, you know, a four-door sedan, then there's like, there's base, there's, so there's base things, then there's all these other names. So you have your IPL, your BBL, you have your fractional laser, Fraxel is a brand name of fractional laser, but it's not the only fractional laser. So people get you know mixed up with that. Then you have your radio frequency microneedling. Um, then you have your basic RF. Um, so what I'm saying here is they have base technologies, and then each of them has like subcategories. So companies, you know, right now there's seven or eight different radio frequency microneedling devices on the market. You could say. Morpheus 8, you could say Genius, you could say Vivace. So people, you know, they don't realize that the base of that is the same. Now they all are a little different in how, however that company wants to make them different, but the base is the same. You know, I think with acne, 
you know, for instance, is an indication, you have to make sure that you are either that you're treating the active acne or are you treating the scarring after? I think like that's one that's very tricky because some people come in and they actually still have active acne, but they're like, I want to treat my acne scarring. But it's like, that, that doesn't make sense because you're going to continue to get acne and more scarring. So let's get to the root cause. Let's treat your acne and then let's, you know, treat the scarring afterwards. So a great um, way of separating that would be like coming in to do, getting on a proper skincare routine, coming in to do aerolase treatments, which help with inflammation, you know, treating the acne, a series of them, getting to a point where your acne is really stable, the active part, and then going on to treat the hyperpigmentation or the post-inflammatory erythema, which is an, another word that a lot of people don't know. It's called pie. So they'll say, I don't know why I have these marks. And it's really it's really redness. Um, so treating those two indications and then possibly resurfacing the skin. So you may use a couple different devices on that acne journey, but when you use them is very important, if that makes sense. Absolutely. For melasma, for instance, you want to, when someone has really active melasma, there's two things. You have to really change up some of your lifestyle um, to make sure you don't have that trapped heat in the skin. So like when we talked about your skin, I was like, you know, people think, um, you know, if you have sunblock on that, oh, I wear a hat and I wear a sunblock. So my melasma is not going to spike. That's not true. If you're sitting out on the beach and your skin is temperature is getting hotter, it acts very similarly and it'll start to kind of, I say, throw pigmentation out. So keeping your skin really um, cool. I always say, if you're a melasma girl, you're a cool girl. Cool treatments are going to be better for you. Um, and even if you do dabble in some laser, making sure that you're cool at the end of that is really important, like cryode, or you don't want to leave with trapped heat in your skin. Um, so I may use Aerolase once again for melasma. I may use light peels in the beginning to kind of suppress that. And then if you need resurfacing, we could do like a little bit of a clear and brilliance because you might have more than one indication. You might have I don't know, some little micro scarring or some textural issues. Um, but the sequence of when you're doing that is really important and not, you know, it's not one size fits all. A lot of people get mixed up. They don't know what melasma is and they think it's sun damage. And so there's this big awakening when they are like, it's what, what are you talking about? This is a condition of my skin. And, um, I think sometimes people choose the wrong devices because they don't know actually what they're dealing with because it kind of comes up with this as a surprise. So there's certain things that are off limits, like for melasma, I wouldn't use a whole lot of IPL with that. Um, it's really important to be at home care, but other things, it's not complete. They're not completely off limits. They just have to be manipulated in a certain way to be effective on your skin and to not exacerbate it. I mean, fascinating. And I remember I came in for a treatment one time and you told me, you know, I live in Miami and I've definitely upped my, my sunscreen game, but you did say to me that if I'm going for a run or even for a walk and my skin starts to sweat, I need to immediately go home and not necessarily wash my face, but put cold water on to, to release that heat. And that was something that I just had no idea. And so I do feel like you know, you read Cosmo or Shaper, all of these things, and it's like there's all the tips. And I'm curious, what would you say are some of the the worst tips that you've you've heard? And and outside of TikTok, I'm saying just things that you've you've read, and you're like, no, just please don't do that. 
I mean, there's so much that, um, you know, it's great with the age of the internet. It's great because we have access to so much, but it's also terrible. You know, people are coming in like they think overeducated about their skin because someone told them something. That's like the line. Well, well, my friend in so-and-so told me this, or I heard this from this. I think in general, um, you know, I think people use really harsh products on their skin. Sometimes they jump, there's no patience. Um, I think achieving great skin takes patience, especially when you have something that you're dealing with, whether it be acne or melasma, the quick fixes would probably be like my biggest like pet peeve and no, no, like quick fixes are what they are in life. They're not, there's no longevity. There's no like everything in life that, you know, is, is a maintenance, you know, even working out like the quick fixes never work. So I feel like people use harsh products on their skin. They switch skincare. Like they'll think um, a skincare routine is going to magically like get rid of everything in a week and they don't give it a chance. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, the trends in general, some of them are like super dangerous. Like, um, I can't even think of like, I, I hear them all the time and I'm like, how did someone come up with that? But, um, you know, like skin cycling, for instance, that is a trend. And what they're really saying is going through a period of a break for your skin. You know, there's lots of different ways to phrase that. And then people add on to that and they'll say, you know, do retinol for one week straight, like at 1% and then, and then calm down. I don't know that that's necessarily. So the degree of what they're saying may not be right. Skin cycling as a whole can be very good for your skin um, to kind of have these periods of not using as many active products. Um, but, you know, using, I've seen people try to use bleaching creams at <sighs> like yeah. really, really high levels, you know, hydroquinone at 4% is what is, is safe to use and it's safe in short periods of time. Um, and you know, it shouldn't be some longevity thing. So I think it's just a lot of misinformation, but I think if you're really serious about getting great skin, you really want to come up with a plan with someone who you really trust, you know, like you trust and that took you through the journey and then give the plan time, even with the acne, it's, we've seen amazing results with Aerolase for instance, but if, if someone just stopped at the first one, they would have never gotten there. It's just like when you go work out with a trainer, Nikki, it's like you, you go for a week and what are you expecting? You know, it's, you got to put in the work and that's whether it's appointments or being regimented about your skincare. I think it's really important. Couldn't agree more. Now, when it comes, you, you've mentioned this a few times of you don't agree with people using harsh products. I don't think at least for myself, and I'm going to speak on behalf of a lot of people because what do you consider harsh products? Like I know there's all these exfoliants and things with little micro beads. What's a safe product in general for people that you think? And what's what are ones that you would say avoid mostly? I think I'm talking more about the conditions of um, like acne, for instance, like benzoperoxide is a commonly used ingredient to help dry out the skin but I've had people that use benzoyl peroxide like for days on end and their skin is so dry. And what happens is your sebaceous glands then go, oh my God, we're not getting any moisture. And they start actually producing more oil. So you're going to have, you're going to have this rebound effect of more acne after doing this regimen that was very, um, you know, it was basically just drying out your whole face. So I think it's more of like, 
if you have these super active products like, you know, Retin-A that you're using or like a Tazerac or something like that, just, you know, giving really, really treating your skin as prescribed. So if it's every other day or if it's a pea size amount, I just see people kind of more is just more. That's what it is. And it can lead to problems. So I think they think if I put on more, I'm going to get faster results. If I do more laser, I'm going to get faster results. If I do this, like, and it's really not like that. Things are spaced appropriately and they're either prescribed by your dermatologist or they're, um, you know, given to you by your provider. And they usually have a way they want you to do it to either ease into it or, or not to. Another great example is cult favorite P50, you know, so there's actually seven different P50s. Um, and everyone just jumps to the P50 1970 because it's the strongest one. It has phenol in it. So it's actually, um, it's something that you can't get in the EU, you can get in the U S and it's really for this thicker, more oily type of skin, but you'll have people like that have your type of skin that are using it like every single night. It's just way too much of an exfoliation um, and it's going to end up damaging your skin and probably cause surface dryness. So that's an example of kind of using, um, you know, and P50 would be great. Maybe if you use the P50 PIGM 400, which is a little bit less and doesn't have phenol. So it's, it does matter what you're using and how you're using it. Got it. I mean, it's, it is fascinating. Even as you're saying these things, I, I get overwhelmed with, with the different products. So I'd love to go, like, I know a lot of my audience deal with hyperpigmentation and melasma. So first question, is that the same thing, like hyperpigmentation and melasma? And number two, why does, I mean, someone like myself get melasma? So melasma is a condition of the skin that they believe it to be hormonally triggered, which is why it's mask of, they call it the mask of pregnancy. Um, there's no, we can't tell you why you got it or why you didn't get it. it there's probably some genetic factors in there. Um, but when you're pregnant, um, your temperature of your body actually raises by one degree. So talk about trapped heat, inflammation, um, it can be very triggering to that. And then sometimes you'll hear people um, just getting melasma that have never gotten pregnant. And there also believes that there's some hormone associate, association with it. You also hear about people who are on birth control who've gotten off birth control and then their melasma gets much better. So there really is a hormonal component to it. Um, and we don't know why you get it and why I didn't get it. There, you know, No one has that. And if we did, we would, I think as a, I, I think the medical community would try to figure it out because it's a big problem. Um, and there's no cure for it, right? So people say like, I got rid of my melasma. You really kind of suppressed it enough where it looks great, but it can be reactivated. So the lifestyle, that's where it's really important. I remember treating a woman in Seattle and we worked on her skin. We worked on her skin. She was so diligent. It was way back in the Obagi days when you had the nine steps and we were doing all these different things. And her skin looked great. And then she came in like four weeks later and it was like, it all had come back and it was like worse. And I couldn't figure out why, because she, she was on the proper program after. Well, it turns out she was, she was doing hot yoga. She's just picked it up and she was doing this now four days a week. So she's in, I don't even know, 110 degree room doing hot yoga, which is like, I can't think of a worse thing. And it just exacerbated. And once we figured that out, we got our skin back to where it should be again, but then she just really couldn't do hot yoga. So 
those are some of the, the lifestyle things that can be causing it. Um, you know, I, at, for acne, there's also inflammation of the skin. There could be genetics. There's that one's a little bit, you know, more, um, not as tied to, I mean, once people there's Accutane, there's all these other different things that you can do and pretty much kind of get acne gone. It's not the same kind of condition as melasma, but it's also a really tough one to treat. Mm, I remember going on Accutane three times. One, I I was at 16 because I had it all over my back, my butt. It was awful. And then it worked, but then it came back. I think I was then like 20. I went back on it. I went on it a third time. And my dermatologist, and this was many, many years ago, told me, you know, you're unfortunately one of the unlucky ones. You're probably going to have to be on it for the rest of your life. And one thing I, I realized later is that she had not... I mean, skincare, nutrition, everything has changed so much. We've learned so much more, but she had never asked me, what are my stress levels? What emotions are coming up? You know, how do I, how do I feel in my, in my everyday life? What foods am I eating? And so as I went on my own skin journey and changing even just the food I ate, like I remember at 26, when I wrote the detox program, my mom messaged me and, and was like, did you get Botox? And I, it made me laugh so hard because I'm like, no, I just started eating spinach. I mean, you know, I I started eating more. But when it comes to someone who has acne, and and this was actually a, a journey that you took me through because I was having pretty bad breakouts when I moved when I moved to Miami. What would you recommend for someone, you know, anyone ranging from fourteen who's starting to see that to let's say you're getting you know thirty five or forty, you're getting those breakouts. What are the first few steps or products you would tell someone to get, or even if it's a, a specific treatment? I would say most acne patients, they don't want to moisturize. They are like terrified of moisturizing their skin because they're in this constant state of oiliness. And they're like, I don't want to put products on. Think about it. When you have acne, like the last thing you want to do is feel like you have a product on your face. But what, but it goes back to that. A lot of the people, a lot of the, the people that struggle with acne don't use a moisturizer and then their oil glands overcompensate and produce more oil. So they're never regulating it. So I would say for acne, first step is get a great moisturizer. There's different ones on the market. Even if it's like a gel one, um, you know, Environ makes a great vitamin A moisturizer. That's really inexpensive that I love for acne. Um, getting on a moisturizer to help balance out your skin is really important. And then, um, you know, keeping not touching your skin. Like I, I feel like a <laughs> keeping your hands off your skin is huge. Um, it's going to save you a lot of time with scarring. Like you want to become an esthetician once you have acne, you're just like, I want to pop everything and I want to do this. So I would say as far as products, moisturizer, and then also sunscreen, because you don't want to hyperpigment. And then I would say as far as, um, as treatments, like getting on, you know, in a perfect world, I would love people to come in for facials every four weeks. Like that's a perfect world. A lot of people can't do that. Maybe they can't afford it, but doing it at least, um, quarterly, like sees with season change. I know we don't have it in Miami, but like typical season change and coming in for some like a hydrating facial and cleaning out your pores because part of the acne journey and the oil journey is that, you know, you end up. So when, when you have a pore, you have oil that comes through it, when it, 
turns black, it means it hits the air and oxidizes, and that's a blackhead, right? So it just means it's oil at the surface. But what happens is if you don't clean them out, it's kind of like, think of your pore as a rubber band, it kind of just kind of loosens up. So that's where your pores kind of enlarge. Um, so to save yourself from scarring and large pores, regular facials are really important. I think when you're an acne patient, you're like, this facial isn't doing anything because my active acne isn't gone. Well, you haven't gone to the source yet, but it is doing something to prevent you from the large pores, from the scarring, and just to have your skin more balanced um, with the pH and just hydration levels. Got it. Okay. So then in terms of like common skincare mistakes, what do you see are some, I mean, you've already gone over a lot of them, but in general, are there certain things that people are not doing that they should be doing? Um, I don't think people are following a good skincare regimen. And I think that they're hopping too much. I think I, we talked about that. Um, I think that one of the biggest ones is everyone that I, that comes into my office is like, I wear sunblock now, but and they're basically talking about why do I still have these age spots? And we talk about, well, that was damage that you did a long time ago. It's coming to the surface. But what they never say is that I reapply. I can't tell you how many people wear sunscreen in the morning and don't reapply. We have a heat index. I don't know if you check your iPhone. It's, there's an amazing tool on the weather app. It'll tell you what the heat, what the, um, I'm sorry, the UV index is. And it was at 10 the other day. That's like extremely high. So it wasn't like, the sunniest day in Miami, but the sun was really strong. And you can imagine people are outside with their one application of sunscreen, they're sweating, they're doing all this by, if you do it at nine, by 1030, you don't have sunscreen on. So coming up with a plan to reapply is really important. Um, and they also don't take, I think they don't take care of their body as well. So you'll see a lot of people where they preserve their face, but then, you know, you see it on their arms that, you know, I think we live in Miami, so we're so much we're more acutely aware of it, um, but it's really all over the country. You know, in reality, if you live in Denver, Colorado, your proximity to the sun is much closer and there's more sunny days per year. So to say that you should be wearing more sunscreen in Miami is really kind of, it's not the truth. It's just putting on a sunscreen in the morning and then continuing to reapply when you need to. And especially when you're in direct sun, seeking the sun or in water, reapplying. And Got a really it. good test that I did to my kids was I got a zinc stick on Amazon and I don't know, it's $9.99, one of the old school ones. And they're all different colors, pink, and you could put it on your face and then be outside and you can see basically how the sunscreen just goes away. Or you can have them go in the water and you can see within 10 minutes, there's no sunscreen on them. So it's, it's interesting once you actually can see the color go away. Got it. I mean, I fully agree on that. That was something I also realized I was making that mistake applying it. And and actually for so long, I wasn't even applying it because I'm, you know, oh, I'm inside all day. I, But then I'm like, you know, I have windows. I'm sitting there, there is sun. And so even for me, I realized I, I do need to get better at reapplying. And I found ones that are, you know, spray because I don't want to, you know, mess up the makeup and all of that. But when it comes to a skincare regimen, what would you like... Even for me, I get so overwhelmed when I see some people on, you know, Instagram or on TikTok and, and they're like, okay, I do this and like 50 different steps. I'm like, I'm, I'm a minimalist here, but I also realize, you know, there's that like other people say like, you need to double wash your face. So in a perfect world, what would you say 
is the routine that someone should follow, including, you know, certain serums and, and like the nightly, let's say the nightly routine. Okay. So the biggest thing about the routine is compliancy. So you'll have to know your audience. I'm going to start out with that because it's really important before I get into it. So if you have a patient and they come in or you, you're a client and you really have never like even been concerned about washing your face or you're like, I only do this once a day, like to give them like a eight step routine is just, you're setting them up for failure. Right? So I would say with my patients who are like, I need something quick. I'm a mom. I'm busy. I'm not going to do this. Like, listen to them. Like they're going to be, they're going to leave with a bunch of products and they're going to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to do this. So for someone for basic, I think you need a really good cleanser. Don't worry about double cleansing, just a cleanser that you feel really clean afterwards. That's not going to dehydrate your skin. I would say, um, a vitamin C is really important, um, during the day, um, to, it actually makes your sunscreen more effective. Um, and it's a great, um, product that's going to help even out your tone moisturizer and sunscreen. Like that's a very quick morning in the evening is when you kind of want to bring on maybe that one, because you don't use a lot of products, that one power pack serum with antioxidants, um, possibly a hyaluronic acid. Um, and then, you know, you, you kind of keep them with their basic cleanser and their moisturizer and in the evening, they don't have to use their SPF. So one has dropped off. So sometimes I try to get in another serum or an eye cream, um, because you're not going to, Someone who's busy isn't going to do that in the morning. They're just not. Um, then you'll have your person that comes in. They love skin. They're like, I've read about everything. I want the full Monty. And then we can kind of um, cherry pick from different different product lines to kind of achieve that. Um, so I would also say maybe you're doing your hyaluronic and your vitamin C during the day. Maybe you're doing some peptides at night. Maybe you're doing um, you know a finishing serum you know, from Biologique to kind of help with surface dryness. So you can be a little bit more detailed. Um, but in a perfect world, you know, you're, you're definitely exfoliating and you're hydrating, you're protecting, and then you're usually treating one indication. And almost everyone has some form of sun damage unless you lived in a bubble. So I would say vitamin C is the one thing that almost everyone should be using um, in their product or in their range. Interesting. Like even that, I didn't know that I should be doing vitamin C in the morning. I always thought that was at night. Are there any other little tips you have, like when it comes to the cleansers, you know, there's gel ones, there's, I, I don't even know all the different types, but there's so many different cleansers. And then I personally hear like, oh, you know, don't use a gel if you already have dry skin or, you know, things like that. Are there any other little tips just like you gave with the vitamin C that people probably don't know and, and should be doing or maybe not doing? I think that um, with the with the cleanser, yeah, it's true. Like the drier the skin you have more people like to go to more of a cream-based cleanser or an oil cleanser just because they don't want to add a dehydration. If you have an oilier skin, you're probably looking for something um, a little bit more exfoliating, a little bit more um, oil controlling. So like the gels, the scrubs, although, you know, there's one cleanser right now by um, Reflect and it has AHA, BHAs in it, alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, and it's, it's gentle enough to use every day and it has little exfoliating beads. So I wouldn't say like, you know, 10 years ago, there was like strict categories and like you have acne and you fit into this kit, you know, kits were really popular 10 years ago. It's not really like that anymore. Um, it's like, you, you want to choose, the person has to choose something based off of feeling um, and 
how, how their skin feels afterwards. A lot of people will use gel moisturizers, for instance, if they have acne, but I have so many clients who have acne, like I hate this moisturizer. I hate like the way it makes me feel afterwards. So guess what? They're not going to use it. They're not going to be hydration. They're going to still produce a lot of sebum. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll pick, if someone comes in and they've been using a lot of different things, which is usually the case, I'll say, let me see what you have. Let's see how, if I know these products, let's see how we can work with them. And then maybe let's introduce one new product. And let me give you a sample of this to try. Because the people that have acne are really like, they're like, I don't know, I don't know. And they don't want to start something. Um, And we kind of go from there. The one thing I will say that no one really knows is you shouldn't be on a product line for like ever. Like there's some people that come into me and they'll be like, I've been using La Mer for the last 10 years. And I'm like, oh my God, your body is always trying to reach homeostasis. It's always trying to reach this point where, okay, I got it. I know what you're putting on me. I I can accept this, but that won't really do the trick for your skin. So you kind of want to change it up a little bit. It would be like doing the same ab workout forever. Like you, you need to trick it up a little bit. So I say like, say you love, you know, Biologique, big fans out there. You don't need to stay with the same products that you've been using for the last year. Like maybe you want to switch out your P50, or maybe you want to introduce a vitamin C, or maybe you want to, we change up your moisturizer a little bit just to kind of change up your skin. So it doesn't have to be like you have to change the whole line and get out of Biologique, but you do have to change up what you're doing a little bit to trick the skin to kind of have that, um, you know, maybe increase your cell turnover or have some more vibrancy. You just don't want it to be like blah, like we've reached it. This is how our skin is going to be forever. You kind of always want to be achieving something. I love that. I I really love the analogy though that you gave about the ab workout. And it is so true that we have to be doing different things, not just for your body. It's the same. If you eat the same food every day, your body will actually start to have a resistance to it. The same as if you do the same ab workout. And what I'm hearing is if you're doing the same skincare, then it it, it is essentially you're going to stop seeing the results. So follow-up question on that, because I know I have a lot of confusion. And if I do, and I know a lot about the health and wellness and skincare world, I'm sure other people do. What are your views when it comes to products that are the, you know, vegan, cruelty-free, all natural, contain, you know, nothing harsh XYZ versus the ones that, you know, sometimes are a little bit on the higher price range, but they really, they don't claim to be quote unquote clean. So should someone be trying to avoid one or is it like clean doesn't really work for all skin types? What's your view on that? So the truth is, the facts are that there is no governing body for clean beauty. There is nobody that says, this is clean, this is not. It doesn't exist. So therefore, it's for me, it's kind of like a non-starter because anyone could claim anything with their products and there's no governing body. That's different from, let's say, organic now. Like if you are not organic in the US and you don't meet all these criteria, then you cannot put that label on your products. That's very strict. Maybe it wasn't when organic first started, but there is no governing body and there's no hoops that people have to jump through to make sure their product is clean. It's a very trendy word. It sounds very good. Um, So I don't, me personally, I don't go based off of that. Like I cruelty free, of course. I mean, I, I think that's really important. Um, I think um, 
you know, not having the harmful ingredients and the harsh ingredients that we know are bad for the skin that we maybe were used 20 years ago, taking them out. Once again, like going to a provider who knows what those ingredients are and making sure they're not in the skincare, educating yourself. There's obviously that kind of education on the internet that you can look up. Um, but I clean is kind of, you know, until they define what clean is and there's some standards that people have to meet, I kind of feel like it's a lot of marketing put out there. Um, I do think that there are pregnancy safe products that are, you know, that have gone through some type of testing or have passed um, some kind of uh, test to know that they can be used on the skin. They're not as active. As far as the more expensive, you know, the difference is there's over-the-counter products and then there's medical grade products. So medical grade products are usually more active. It doesn't mean they're worse. It doesn't mean they're not clean. Um, it doesn't mean any of those things. Once again, we don't know what clean means because there's no governing body. But what they does mean is that they have more concentration of the actives in it and that you're usually getting them from an aesthetics practice, a medical spot, a dermatologist, a plastic surgeon. And if you have an issue with it, you have someone to come back to who is a specialist to talk to about that versus anything that you buy in Walgreens at Sephora. At, if you have a problem with it, you you're, can't go back to the Sephora person. I'm sure you could t reach out to the company or do something else, but you don't have someone kind of monitoring your skin, which is the right way to do it. The more active medical grade products are in a place where someone is monitoring your skin, is on your skin journey. The less active products are are kind of just for the general public. They're not gonna give them something that's super active um, to use at home because it's too dangerous um, and they don't know. So I would say, you know, I, and I think that the more expensive, it doesn't have to be expensive to be great. That's a big misconception. Um, once you start understanding ingredients, you realize why some products are really expensive and you realize why others are not because what they're putting into it is more expensive. Um, but I would say using, if you had to choose one thing to really splurge on and to be medical grade, it would be your serums. You know, your serums are going to drive the deepest into your skin. So really invest in like a very high quality vitamin C. Um, really invest in a very high quality hyaluronic acid. I mean, I'm sure you can get them on Amazon, but it's not going to be the same. And how that ingredient penetrates into the skin matters, right? The delivery system. And a medical grade skincare company has worked that out. They have medical papers. They have done the research. They have white papers. So it's a different, um, it's a different game. You know, it, they're, they're very different. And I won't say one is you know, I, I think when you're trying to change your skin and correct it, you need more active medical grade skincare. I think there's some things that you can really do well over the counter. You know, one of my favorite products is Bioderma Micellar Water. It's it's like the most amazing thing to clean your skin, to not, you know, have the pH all over the place. And it's over the counter. And I think it's, you know, $10 and it's a, it's an amazing product. I would use it over a lot of different things. So it just depends on what you're going after, but that's the true difference in them. Got it. And I actually like that you you brought that up just in terms of the specific product because I did have a question on that of if someone's going to Target and buying, I, I think the brand is like clean and clear, one of these. Like I personally, knowing what I know now, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really want to put those ingredients on my skin versus a company, as you said, who's maybe done, I'm sure they've both done a lot of research, but just knowing what I know now, and especially within food, I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about, you know, these big mass companies and their products. Are you, 
Are you in favor of someone going and buying those products from Target? Or do you think in general, try to go, I mean, go to a, a, an esthetician or a facialist or even a Sephora and ask questions? Where's, where's your viewpoint on that? I think that if you're starting out on the skincare journey, you know, educating yourself on the brand and the ingredients, um, you know, Cetaphil is a widely used um, product um, all over the world, but in the U.S. And it's actually recommended by a lot of dermatologists. It's very bland. Um, it's not super active. It's calming for the skin. Um, it achieves some things. Um, it's at a really good price point. So I'm never going to say that's not a great product. It's a great product, probably a point in li life. You know, if you have, you know, a 12 year old kid or a 13 year old kid who's struggling with acne, like by no means should you go out and get this new acne kit? I think, um, like a medical grade kit from a, from an office that maybe is upwards of hundreds of dollars. So I think there are some products that are used, but kind of know the backstory on them. Um, you do have to realize when you're when you're dealing with more severe cases of acne and stuff that clean and clear isn't active enough to kind of solve that. So I think it's kind of twofold, but I always say seeking a professional, like go talk to someone. A lot of people will just do consultations and they'll answer questions. And anyone that's really good is not going to sell you like on something. I think that's like a big problem too, is people want to feel like, they're getting educated and like they understand about their skin without like these high pressure sales. Like that is not allowed at my office. And like it, it, we just don't do it. Um, so you want to go to someone that you truly trust, um, to kind of give you the recommendations and start you on something. And, you know, a lot of them will, you know, I carry Biodoma at my office, for instance, and I think it's sold at some of the targets and things like that, like products that I really love, I'll try to bring in. There's another product that I love, um, that are these exfoliating sheets that I also carry at my office. They're, they're exfoliating wipes. And I think they're sold at the same types of places, but I love them. So if, if, a, if a person that you're going to has those products there, they're probably really, they're, you know, a passion th thing for them. But I, I don't think there's a black and white answer. Um, I think guidance is the most important thing. And what your friend is doing is not always the, what you should be doing. <laughs> Couldn't agree more on that. All right, let's let's talk TikTok trends because they have obviously I mean there's so many ones that go viral and what I'm hearing already is that it needs to be personalized. So I, I can I feel like already imagine your answer, but you know, there's skin cycling, which we talked about, but slugging, menstrual blood face masks, buccal fat removal, removing moles by yourself. All of these are massively trendy, being written up on, you know, all these online websites. What are your views on the TikTok trend? You know, well, I think social media in general and, and you know, I'm not on TikTok. I think we just got on TikTok to do some videos, but I'm not, I don't know TikTok very well. I know Instagram better. But I understand that, you know, it's um, a platform for sharing these ideas that come, you know, it's, it's almost like sometimes I hear like, did a person just wake up the night before just think like, oh my God, I should put an egg yolk on my face and just see what happens. I mean, it seems so outlandish that, you know, you know, I'll leave it as a trend is a trend. It's not here to stay. It's, um, it's not timeless. It's not usually the right way. It's, trending. The problem with trends is they can be dangerous when they're dealing with skin, like mole removal. I mean, mole, a mole 
it should be only removed by a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon. And then it has to be biopsied. And then there's all these other things that it's not just a mole removal. Um, and half the time, I don't even know if they're talking about a mole or like a sunspot, for instance, like, you, you know, they don't know the difference. So I, I think we should leave the trends to fashion and stop doing this with, with aesthetics. It's my opinion. Um, do I think slugging is like going to be super damaging? No, but you know, there's, there's certain people out there that, um, can do almost anything to their skin and they're going to be okay. They just don't have tricky skin. They can almost use any products. They can kind of do any treatments. Um, I think that's, there's people like that with hair. There's, they're just people like that. If they want to do something like that, I mean, I guess by all means, it's not going to be hurtful, but for other people, it could really set them back. Um, and then some of it's just dangerous, like just ridiculously dangerous. And like, why would you ever do that? Um, so I, sometimes I get asked by different articles about the newest trends and I'm just like, they're trends. I mean, do, what's this word trend mean? You know, and it shouldn't be in skincare for me. Like ingredients trending, I think is something different. That means like we found a new ingredient. It's super cool. Like it's going to start being in a lot of products. Like peptides are really huge and, you know, then you'll start seeing them trend, but like actually physically doing things to your skin at home, um, I think can be somewhat detrimental. So I don't condone any of them. Um, that's just my opinion on it. Good. I, I think we all, we're looking for your direct opinions. When it comes to, because it, when I met you, you had recently opened during COVID. And then, I mean, when things were safe to open here in, in Florida. And since then, you have grown into this incredible med spa with all the body treatments. So really quickly, I'd actually like to get into some of the different body treatments that you do and why someone should come in for, you know, a, a very single, like for me, obviously I take very good care of my body. I'm fit, but I still come in for M-Sculpt and Endosphere, which I'd love for you to explain. So why would someone come in and what sort of products would they use that at least you, you offer? So we have, um, we have a couple different body devices. Um, I think you break them down into what they, what they're good for. So, some are good for muscles, some are good for fat loss, some are good for lymphatic drainage, and some are good for skin tightening. That's really what people are kind of looking for on the body, those four core things. Um, and then resurfacing, I would say that. So some of the peels and things like that for pigmentation, and um, sometimes the face lasers can kind of go on to body. And, I, and when I say body, I'm not including the chest and the decollete and the neck. I always include that in the face. So, but you know, people still have pigmentation on their arms and whatnot. Um, so I think the one thing to know about all the body devices, just like everything else is there's a maintenance involved. So with endospheres, for instance, um, it's lymphatic drainage, it's manipulation of the tissue of all the fascia. It has, um, these cylindric spheres inside, which roll over you and they drain. I'd say people come for the way it makes you look. They stay for the way it makes you feel because you feel incredible and euphoric afterwards. I think it's different than any lymphatic drainage massage, the manipulation. And you do really get that kind of skin tightening afterwards because it is lifting up all the different fascia. Um, so that's one treatment you would do like a series of 10 and then you would come in for maintenance. Um, and that's kind of what that addresses that couples really well after say an M sculpt or after a sculpt, um, because you're flushing, that's kind of the flushing of it. And it's great maintenance. M-Sculpt is really designed to build muscle. The new one also has RF, so it helps um, with 
fat elimination as well. Um, so there's a heating component to it, that RF technology. And um, M-Sculpt is a maintenance. So you usually pick a body part. You start off on doing, um, our office says six treatments. I think M-Sculpt company will say four. Um, you do them once a week and then you do a maintenance. So we created a membership here. So you're coming in once a month and doing it to kind of maintain it because it is a muscle. It's just like if you stop going to the gym, you're not going to get it. It's also not for someone who is really overweight. M-Sculpt's not going to, you know, you want to lose the weight first and use this as kind of a body contouring. It's the same way I would, when I worked in plastics, we viewed by liposuction. It's not a method of extreme weight loss. It's for these little pocketed areas. Um, then we have Eon, which is for fat loss. It's the laser. Um, I personally never wanted to work with, never wanted to work with cool sculpting. So I chose, um, Eon, which is, um, it's a robot and it goes over the area and it causes apoptosis, which is that fat loss. So you'll get a percentage of fat loss each time you do a treatment around 20 to 25%. And it's really for that, you know, little areas that are you're kind of detailing, not for massive weight loss all over. They just got FDA approval for the legs as well, which is amazing. Um, and it's, it's a great treatment. Once again, we love doing endospheres after to flush out that system. And then Sculpt is the new girl in town. Um, and there's a couple different devices like Sculpt on the market, or not not like Sculpt, but Sculpture. And, and so people get confused because the names sound very similar. But Sculpt is um, a new device, which is actually microwave technology. It's kind of crazy. It's at the end of radio frequency, if you're a nerd like me, in the gigahertz section. And what that's doing, um, it has a deep handpiece and a shallow handpiece. So it does help debulk some fat, but it also helps with skin tightening and cellulite, um, banana rolls. Um, when you look in that mirror and you kind of see that cottage cheesy look, um, it's great for tightening there. So those are the four body machines. I think why people come uh, in Miami, we're exposed a lot with our bodies um, and our bodies are really aging, just like our face. You know, the aesthetics market isn't just for the face. I feel like especially more recently, we've had a lot of people coming in like my legs, my knees, I mean, even up to elbows, they're just seeing the aging process occur, gravity kind of take its toll. And also just in for general wellness, like I would say M-Sculpt is like an incredible tool for core strength. Um, and as women, you know, lose muscle as they get older, you know, no one's saying that you're gaining, you may be gaining wisdom, but you're not gaining hyaluronic acid. You're not gaining muscle as you get older. You're not gaining strength. You're not gaining bone density. Like th those are usually on the decline. Wisdom, I'm sure is on the up, the up. but all of these things are to aid in, in helping um, those processes, you know, and I don't think they replace diet. I don't think they replace exercise. I think they're just like an added bonus um, to doing all of that. I love it. So my last question for you, the incredible Amy, is what are your top three tips for someone to live a sharper life? I would say, you know, staying authentic to who you are is so important. Um, and I think it's easy to get derailed on that a little bit, but authentic authenticity just shines through. And, you know, even if that's your beauty aesthetic and what you want to look like, um, don't get derailed from that. Um, stay authentic to your primary purpose. Always. Um, I would say 
as far as skin goes, wear sunscreen and reapply. It's like, you don't realize, no one really knows, talks about prejuvenation, but like preserving what you have is so important and not just like waiting to correct things, like doing the things now that we know um, are going to, you know, be fruitful in the end. Just the reason why you eat well now to not have a cardiac episode, you know, it's, it's what we're doing now. Um, and then I would just say, you know, staying present and not getting overwhelmed. I think with technology and with so many different voices out there, because now it's not just the experts, it's not just the doctors, it's, it's everybody. I think, you know, finding your, um, finding your group of people that you, you know, that they have something that you want and, and kind of following them and, and just not listening to all the noise. Um, cause it can be a lot sometimes. I could not agree more. This has been, I mean, my goodness, such an incredible episode of dropping wisdom bombs left, right, and center. And I always love these interviews because I learned so much and I learned a lot today that I, I didn't know. So where can people find you? So my, um, my Instagram is at skincare by Amy P or the real skin savant. And then my practice is located, um, in South beach off of 15th and Lenox. Um, you can go to www.skincarebyamypeterson.com and you can see all the stuff that we do there and, you know, follow us on Instagram. And I think that'll lead you to my TikTok. I'm not really sure because I just started that one. I wasn't, I was like you, I'm not sure if I want to dabble into this, but that's where you can find us. I love it. And I'll obviously put all of that in the show notes. And I really recommend, you know, everyone who's listening that if you enjoyed learning about this, definitely go follow Amy on both accounts because you do put out so much information and knowledge. And I love just the videos you share talking about the different treatments. And I know, you know, we did one of my skin with Tixel and I've, I've a, a post that I'm going to be doing for that. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving us your time, your knowledge, your wisdom. And until next week, here's to a sharper life. Thank you.